Let's welcome all Pastor Caleb Lee. All right. Come on, settle down now. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Uh, I don't know, a lot of you guys were praying very fervently, but you didn't see. Uh, I was praying, I looked up, and I saw Daniel. I don't know why, he was just walking like this. And I was like, what is that dude doing? And then he went past the podium, and I saw bug spray in his hand. So he's, gonna, he's trying to kill that fly. I, I bind you in the name of Jesus. Yes, yes, uh, Pastor Myungwa. Hey, wasn't she amazing? I, I am. I get blown away by the way that that Myungwa, Pastor Myungwa, uh, leads prayer. It's so powerful and so, like so much insight. And I was just like, she's preaching to me. Every every slide that went up was like a sermon to me. It was very powerful. I honor you, Pastor Myungwa. Um, and she's from Busan, which is where I'm from. I was actually born there. Uh, my name is Caleb Lee. Uh, I am the campus pastor of Seaside Campus of New Philadelphia Church. Uh, my wife is right there, Pastor Mina. She's also, we're co-campus pastor. That's Ethan, the cutest baby in the world. All right? just, I'm just playing. He's not the cutest baby. I don't, like, I don't like saying that. He's really cute, but he's not the cutest baby. Um, so, so it's, you know, I'm short on time, like, Somebody told me that I have about 40 minutes to preach, and I'm very time-oriented. So I will try to land this plane. Yes, right about that time. Uh, Pastor Christian always talks about how I'm really time-oriented. He, uh, he, like a lot of times in front, he's like, yeah, Christian, I mean, you know, Caleb, you're so time-oriented. He based this upon one vacation that we went together, <laughs> um, where I called him at 9 o'clock, in the, like 9.30 in the morning, and I was like, yo, are you ready? And he's like, no, I'm not ready yet. And I was like, yo, the buffet closes at 1030. And he's like, man, why are you so time-oriented? I was like, no, nah, that's not time orientation, all right? That's called hunger. It's called, it's called, I need, man, there is a limited amount of bacon in any hotel. Just imagine what would happen if the bacon went dry, right? So, yeah, I am time-oriented, but it's not good. No, I'm just hungry. I'm just hungry. Uh, yes. And so, uh, you know, these days, recently I've been learning that there are very timely words. Okay, there's very timely words. There's, there's words that have, sh- like, a shelf life. Not a shelf life, but it has. So, me and Mina, we're going through all of our baby food. My, my mother-in-law sent us literally a box of American baby food. And we opened it the other day because Ethan's starting solids. And we looked at the expiration date, and a lot of them says, best by this date. So it's like, this product is best when you, when, you, when you use it by this date. And we realized a lot of them was like, it's by May. And I was like, oh, he has to eat all of this right now. <laughs> like, what's going on? And so we, like, separated those out, and we started, you know, we're going to use them as soon as we can. But some of the, like, the word of God, I don't know if you got, a lot of you guys from New Philly went to the retreat this past, a couple weeks ago. And there was words and, and, and revelation that was released that's very timely. It's time-oriented, like me, okay? It, it, there is a, a, the best 
like, it's best if used by this date. And so I encourage all of you guys, even if you're not from New Philly, it's all online. Go and check it out. Because it's not that the word is going to expire, but the, the, the place that we are right now in the spirit, right, God is going to use those words to take us to another level, right? And that, us being in this state right now, it's, it, there's a time, there's a time limit, right? The revelations that are, that are, that was released, okay, there is a best by the state. So I, want you, I, I want to encourage you guys, go back, listen to it, okay? Pastor, Pastor Clements, he's an amazing speaker. And, I, and when I listened to it again, I just, I was like, man, like, I missed so many, so much stuff. Like, I didn't, I, I got like 30% of the message. And so I, I encourage you guys to listen to that. But there's some words, okay, that's called a heavy revy, right? Some words, it's called a steady ready, right? There's some words that God wants. It's not, it's not like, it, he wants us to be established in us so much. It's like the foundational things that God wants us to be established in. So that no matter what we do and where we go, we always respond within the, within the will of God. We always respond in the, in, in, in the, in the context of God. We, we go forth with God because these things are established in us. The gospel of Christ. You guys think that, you know, we never graduate from gospel 101, right? Like we think, oh, the gospel. I understand the gospel. I, I, I'm past it. It's this hurdle that I've passed. And now, like I want, I want the, the higher stuff. I want more things. I want greater things. That's good. But you got to understand the gospel of Christ, okay, it needs, you need a, a fresh revelation of the gospel every day. I guarantee you that if, you're, if you haven't really gotten a fresh revelation of the gospel in a long time, I encourage you to go back and get a fresh revelation. Because that's what really makes us fresh. The gospel, in its essence, is what is going to perpetuate our relationship with God. It's not something that we, we, we all right, I'm done with this. You know, I, like, I remember the first business class I took was a... a I forgot what it was. It's marketing one when I was in college. And it's like, market. Like, I finished that. I put that behind me. All right? And, and you, you treat it like, oh, you almost like, like leak it out of your head. You're like, oh, I'm done with this. Let's just, just like leave this behind because I got to move on to heart. No, the gospel, and there's certain teachings that, that God wants established in us. It's, it's going to what makes us steady. Okay? There's that heavy revy, but there's stuff that's going to make us steady. Right? And so my, my, my message today is more of the latter kind. This is things, you might have heard this message before. But it's, it's, it, you need it established in you. It may not be relevant to you right now. But there might be a time in the future. You guys are all young. Where this, this might come into play. So I, I encourage you guys to listen. Okay? There's, there's a tendency for young people. I'm not going through this. Close. I used to be one of those guys. I'd be like, oh, man, I heard this before. Close. You know what I mean? Like, we have this valve in our head. We just shut it off. Like Facebook, you know? But um, today, my message comes from Psalm 103. This is one of my favorite psalms. It talks about benefit. I don't know. Everybody say benefits. 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 And benefits are good. Okay? I want us to read Psalm... We're going to read verse 1 through 5. Okay, I'll read it out loud. Bless the Lord, O my soul. O my soul. (laughs) And all that is within me, bless His holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul. And forget not all His benefits. Who forgives all your iniquities. Who heals all your diseases. 
who redeems your life from the pit, who crowns you with steadfast love and mercy, who satisfies you with good, so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. Benefits are good. I remember when, on that same vacation when we were with Pastor Christian and Aaron, we were at the airport, I think, in Bangkok. And then uh, Pastor Aaron had, was in the Diamond Club. So if you guys don't know, Asiana, Diamond Club, they had this thing called the Diamond Lounge or something. And we, we, all, we all four of us, we went there. We're like, oh, maybe just because she has it, we can all go. And we, we went up there together, and we asked them, and they said no. So Aaron and Christian got to go and hang out, and that's a benefit that she has from, from traveling so much, right? Me and Mina, we didn't have it, so we had to go with the peasants <laughs> and play, play Monopoly deal in front of some coffee shop. You know, but it, it's benefits are good. We have to understand, and, and this is a benefit. It's saying these are benefits that comes from your relationship with God. When you know God, when you, when you walk with God, these are benefits that you'll find. First one, forgiveness of sins. Your sins are forgiven. Your sins are forgiven. That is so powerful. I've sinned a lot in my life, and I'm pretty sure I'm going to sin some more. <laughs> I mean, I, I'm not perfect. No, I'm gonna, I know one day I'm going to yell at my wife and she's going to cry. And I'll be like, oh, Lord, I'm sorry. Forgive me. Your sins are forgiven. Thank you. That's a powerful thing. Our sins are forgiving. It says, who heals all your disease. We, God heals us. Whether through doctors, through dentists, God heals us. He has a supernatural power to heal us. We've, there's so many testimonies of us, of, of, of us going out into the mission field and seeing people healed. When we contend for healing in the supernatural, God heals our, us of our diseases. He redeems our life from the pit. We're headed for hell. And he redeems us. And he seats us in a place with Christ. Crowns you with steadfast love and mercy. I love this. Not only does he love us, he pours out this love and mercy upon us constantly. He's constantly loving us. He's constantly, constantly showing us love and mercy. But he crowns us with it now. So that when we walk out in, in the anointing of his, of his spirit, now we're crowned with steadfast love and mercy. Now we can love with steadfastness. Now we can show mercy. It's a powerful thing. He crowns us with that. It's an imagery. It's like, like you know, it's like, I'm going to give you this. Right? You, you may not deserve it, but I'm going to give you it. I'm going to put this crown of love and mercy upon you. You're loved. Okay? You're forgiven. And now you can do it yourself. It's a, it's, a, it's a powerful word. He satisfies you with good so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. I love this part because I'm old. He <laughs> says he renews it. And, then, and there's, a, there's a word that's missing in the ESV trans, translation. In the King James Version, there's actually a word. There's a Hebrew word called adi. Right? Adi, and it means thy mouth. It, it also means like ornaments and ornaments on horses, but it can actually be translated as thy mouth. So in, in the King James Version, it says... He satisfies your mouth with steadfast good, goodness. It's like this imagery of God feeding us goodness. You know what I mean? He's just like, and we, we tasting that he's so good. And he just he feeds us of, of good. He's, he's good. And he shows us he's good, not just by just saying, oh, here, I'll do good things to you. But he feeds us his goodness through his word, through his spirit. It's powerful. That's why I love this Psalms. But, you know, if I went through all of these and elaborated on all, all of these benefits, I would be here for a very long time. So I'm going to just pick one, and it's the one that God gave me. Back in the beginning of this year, 
I found out, I think PC made his, uh, the roster for joint prayer meeting, and I found out that I was preaching joint prayer meeting. Uh, I think it was April. It got switched to May because <laughs> certain, certain things happened. But, and so I remember, and like Mina told me, he's like, you know you're preaching joint prayer meeting soon. And I was like, oh, that's a lot of people. I was like, you know, like Seaside, we have about 50, 60 people. But it's like, like over 100, 150. Oh, and then so I, I, I kind of got nervous. I usually don't get nervous. I kind of got nervous. I said, God, give me a word. And I remember I was standing in front of the kitchen. I was about to go to work, and I was, like, making my bagel sandwich. And, and then I was like, God, just give me a word. Just give me a word. And I started praying, and then God gave me this word, who redeems your life from the pit. And he didn't even give me the whole, he didn't even give me the whole verse. He just gave me that, who redeems your life from the pit. And then it was stuck on rewind in my head. And for the past, like, how many months, God's been just, like, 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 you know, like he's been like, re, like repeating this in my head over and over again. Re, who redeemed your life from the pit. Who redeemed your life from the pit. Who redeemed your life from the pit. And it's like, like, like I chewed on it for so long. And I was like, okay, God, I'm going to preach this. And I felt like it was almost this thing where I chewed on it for so long that when about, like joint prayer meetings started to come close, I was like, oh, maybe this isn't the word. Maybe this, is, maybe this was just for you and then you were supposed to. And I started. But then God was like, no. Who redeemed your life from the pit. And so it just kept on, it just was running through my head. Redeems your life from the pit. And when I read this, I saw that, I get this image. I said it before, of God, we're in this pit, we're we're headed for hell, all of us. Okay, without the love of Christ, without the the grace of our God, we're headed for this, this hell, eternal pit of hell. And then he pulls us out, he redeems our lives. And he, he establishes us in heaven. The word in Hebrew here, the pit, is called shachath. You got to do the cha. It's called shachath, okay? And it literally means the pit. Okay? It's all over uh, the book Job. If you ever read the book Job, there's a lot of pits in that book. I mean, like pit this, pit that. But there's a figurative meaning. And it means destruction. Okay? It means corruption. When we die, our bodies get corrupt. It means the grave. Okay? It's, it means destructions, our utter demise. So when the psalmist says, which is David, he says, who redeems our life from the pit, we see it as our, our rescue from damnation. Okay? It's, this, it's the ultimate truth. It's the gospel of Christ. It's our eternal salvation. And nothing supersedes this truth. We are saved. We, we are saved. If you believe in Christ Jesus, we're saved from damnation and hell, and he establishes us in heaven. We were headed for hell, but in his mercy and in his love, he saved us by the cross. And if everybody in this room understood that truth and believed in that truth, I'd be a happy camper. I'd be like, that's good. And if all of you in here really do take that to heart, man, I'm blessed. There's a lot of Christians in here. And if you don't, if that isn't, something that you can really wrap your mind around, okay, if that's something that you really don't fully understand, come and talk to me afterwards. And co- or come and talk to one of our leaders. Because I encourage you, because this is about your salvation here, right? Okay, he redeemed us from the pit of death, eternal death. Right? And, he, and, he, and he raises us up and he establishes us in heaven as co-heirs with Christ. That's a mighty word. Okay? But I kept on meditating on this word over and over again. I kept on thinking, who redeemed your life from the pit? Who redeems your life from the pit? And, I, and, and the more I meditated on this, 
God's telling me that the redemptive work of Christ, it doesn't end with our salvation. It doesn't end with our salvation. Salvation, I don't know if those who went to the retreat, salvation is the said, but there is an unsaid. And if David uses the word redeemed, I love this word. It's such a powerful word. It's a deep, it has so many meanings. And, it, and it's, it's like so like multi-layered, redeemed. It means to save, to rescue, to set free from captivity by payment or ransom, to deliver from slavery, to release from blame or debt, to free from consequences of sin, to change for the better, to buy back, to make good, to add value, to add worth, to atone. It has so many layers. Redeem. He redeems our lives from the pit. In the Hebrew, there are multiple words for redeem. And the word that is used here is called gael. And it means to redeem. But more specifically, it's in context with family and relatives. Okay? It says it's, 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 it refers to, stay with me here, a kinsman or a kinsman redeemer. Okay, that just went right over your heads right now, right? <laughs> okay, so in, in olden Hebrew tradition, when a man dies, the Hebrew term designates a male relative who delivers or rescues, redeems property or person, avenges the murder of a relative or a guiltless executioner and receives restitution for wrong done to a relative who has since died. Okay, in other places in the Old Testament, it's used as redeemed, but in the book of Ruth. Okay, you guys know the book of Ruth. I know a lot of you sisters read the book of Ruth. Okay. There's this beautiful picture of this representation of this word, right? Okay, there's Ruth, who he, he, she loses her, her husband, and, and like, they're alone, Naomi and Ruth. And like, Naomi's like, oh, leave me. Go away. They'll call me Mara and all that. Right? And then, but Naomi, uh, Ruth's like, no, I'll stay with you. I'm not going to go back. And so they go. And then, and then, and then Ruth finds favor with, with Boaz, right? He's like, he's out there and she's gleaning. And she's, she's separating the wheat. And then Boaz, like, he's like, oh, you know, like, you know, like, you're beautiful. If you read Ruth, he's kind of old, right? Because this is one part where he says, oh, you could have gone off with the young ones, but you stayed with me, like like old man like me, right? And so they just, he meet, she meets his Boaz. And then what happens is she's like, he goes, he goes like, you know what? There's another redeemer that's ahead of me. Okay? There's another one that can claim you. So I'm going to go and take like this to him. But if he doesn't want you, I'm going to take you for myself. And so he goes, and he's like, oh, have, there's all this thing. And then do you, and like, there's this, this woman named Ruth. Do you want her? She's a Moabite. Do you want her? And she, she's like, no, I can't take her. And he's like, okay, he's mine. He snatches her up. It's like, she's mine. And not only does he bring safety to her, because right now, when you're a widow in, the, in those days, you're basically, like, worthless. You have nothing, right? It's, all, it's a male-dominated country. You can't really even, like, 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 like earn money in, in a sense, right? And so you're, you're, you're lost. And not only does he bring protection and covering for her, but he takes, he's like, dude, you're mine, and you're going to be my wife. Like, I buy her as my wife. This is a power. This is, not only does he bring covering, but he brings the full redemption. He, he, he adds value and worth to her existence. Do you know what I mean? He's not just a servant in his house. She's not just somebody that's going to start working the land for her and get a pay. She's going to be his wife. He's like, I take you as my wife. That's redemption. That's redeeming. Where was I? 
And God doesn't just want to save us, you guys. He wants to redeem us. There are so many levels to this word redeem. And I'm not trying to undermine our salvation. Our salvation is like our pinnacle of our existence, right? We have, I mean, that's, 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 you know, that's there. We're saved. But God, God's redemptive plan isn't just about getting us into heaven. Because if it was, when we got saved, we would just go to heaven, right? Oh, I believe in Jesus Christ. Where'd he go? Where'd he go? I don't know. But he wants to redeem us. He wants to redeem our existence on this earth. We see this with the Israelites, okay? He didn't just save them from the Egyptians. Because if he did, he would have just parted the Red Sea, killed all the Egyptian soldiers, and it's like, all right, go and multiply. Have fun. Right? Go and do what you want to do. But no. Okay, what happened? Like, like he's like, he's like I'm going to take you. I'm going to take you every step of the way. I'm going to break off this slave mentality off of you. I'm going to take you. I'm going to give owner. I'm going to own you as my people. And I'm going to establish you in the promised land. That's his redemptive plan. But what happened with Israel? They saw their liberation, but they couldn't get their minds around the redeem, redemption of God. They didn't get it. They couldn't understand. They got to a point where like, oh man, why did you even free us? We were better off in Egypt. Do you know what I mean? They couldn't wrap their mind about what God was actually fully wanting to do. This redemptive plan that he has for his people. It's not just, at the, it's not just being free. But it's being redeemed. It's not just from hell to heaven, but everything in between. It's not just from the pit of destruction, but to all the pits that we find ourselves in. He wants to redeem our lives. And it's a benefit. You guys understand? This is a benefit. It comes with the package. Sometimes we, don't, sometimes we don't even know that it's a benefit. And we miss out. One time I remember we, we, me and my friends, we went up to Santa Barbara. And we, didn't, we had a flat tire. And we, we didn't know. We, we didn't know. So we just, this is really bad. But we went to another car that looked exactly like ours. In a parking lot, and took off the tire, changed it, and we took off. Man, I'm 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 healed and delivered. But little did we know, we like one, we had AAA. We could have just called, and they would have come and fixed their tire, right? Is a, a benefit of having AAA. God's redemptive plan. Okay, God's redemptive plan for you, Jason Bon Giovanni, is a benefit. It's a benefit. And one of my favorite stories of redemption in the Bible is Joseph. Now, Joseph, he like, he goes up to his brother. He's like, "Oh, you're all gonna. I had a dream. You're all bowing to me." They're like, oh, this little punk. And he literally ended up in a pit. They put him in a pit. They probably beat him up a few times. Like, ah, there you go. Put him in a pit. He gets sold to slavery. And when I was young, I used to hear, like, hear about the story of Joseph when I was in like, Bible school, when I was like, in like, elementary school. And I used to think, like, because he was such a hard worker, I thought he did it. Like, oh, yeah. All right, I'm in Potiphar's house. I'm going to be the best servant that I could possibly be. 
And they're like, oh, she tries to seduce me, and I end up in jail? Well, I'm going to be the best prisoner that I can possibly... No, this dude was going through anguish, right? He was the favored one of his father. He gets sold into slavery, and then he gets, like, you know, like, framed for adultery, for trying to rape this woman, and he gets put in the prison. He was, he was going through. He was literally in a pit, okay? He was, he was in a pit. He, was, he had the right to be depressed, but he never lost focus of God. He always had his eyes on God. That's the faith, and the favor was the, of the Lord was upon him. So what happens? He's in, he's in prison. He becomes the best prisoner. The number one prisoner. And he, and he interprets these dreams. And, and, and the Pharaoh, he interprets the Pharaoh's dreams. And he's like, oh, I'm going to make you prime minister of Egypt. Second in command. Right? It, God used. Remember what he says? As for you, you meant evil against me. But God meant it for good, to bring it about my, my, that many people should be kept alive as they are today. And he's like, you know what? And when he sees his brother, he's like, man, you, you meant to do me harm. And yeah, I went through some stuff. Right? I, I'm not just prime minister now. I went through some stuff. But God used that. He redeemed that. He redeemed his life in prison. He redeemed his life, you know, stuck in that pit. He redeemed his life. Being framed for, for, for rape, God redeemed that for God's glory. That's his redemptive plan. You know that? God wants to redeem every aspect of your life. He wants to redeem every area of your life. Whatever you're holding on to, whatever you feel. Some, some of you guys might be in some pits right now. Whatever it is, God wants to redeem it for his glory. He not only wants to get us out of the pit, but he wants to redeem your life so that the time you spent in the pit, although it sucked when you were in it, his redemption turns it into praise. And some of you guys might be in those pits today. But what the devil wants to use for evil, he wants to redeem for his glory. You know, I was a man, some of you guys may know my past, I was a man, I was stuck in a pit. I was stuck in a pit, but it wasn't a pit that God put me in. It wasn't a pit that I stumbled upon. It was a pit that I digged (laughs) with this very useful tool called sin. I digged and digged and digged. I found myself in this pit. I became a Christian when I was in high school. And I I, I was good. I received tongues. I was like, oh, yeah, I want to be a missionary. I went to Biola Christian University. And then there came a season in my life where I just rebelled from the Lord. I know Jesus, right? I knew Jesus. I was saved. But I was like, you know what, God? I don't feel you, and I don't see you and the people that are around me. And so I'm just, I'm just going to say, although I know you, I'm going to just, just go as far away from you as I possibly can. And I started to rebel. I started doing all these kind of crazy drugs. This is my testimony, Jason, oh, <laughs> on sanity. He, he asked me for my... For my um, testimony and i was like oh you're gonna hear it today but man, i rebelled i rebelled i said you know what god i don't like i know you're real but i'm gonna i'm gonna just remove myself from your presence so for many years of my life i rebelled i did all these crazy drugs i did any drugs that i can possibly get my hand on and i rebelled and one th- when one night i found myself in a car running away from the police 
coming out on Fox 11 News, <laughs> crashing the car, running away and getting caught, getting tackled, canine dogs, all that stuff. And I went to jail. And then through a, 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 like a series of unfortunate events, I ended up in jail for about four years. Within this time, I did not look to God. I barely looked to God. There were times when I prayed a little bit. But I, 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 I went to the Bible because they were giving, they would, I, go to, I would go to like the, the, the church services because they would give you cookies. <laughs> and like I would go, like, and, and then you, oh, and then one time there was this one Korean pastor that would come. And he was like, I want all the Koreans. Come. And I would, oh. And he would do like a 10-minute sermon and let, let us watch Band of Brothers on DVD, right? And so we were like, oh, we get to watch Band of Brothers. I'm going to go. But I didn't, I didn't look to God. I was in this pit. And, and then when they were saying, we're going to deport you to Korea. You can never come back to America. I was like, oh, I started praying. <laughs> I was like, Lord, I know, that, I know that I've been away from you for a long time, but Lord... But, you know, he didn't answer my prayers. And I got deported here. And when I came here, I came to this very sanctuary about five, six, seven years ago, 2007. And I remember thinking, oh, man, what am I going to do now? And I was in this place. I was in a d- d- depression that you, can't, you guys can't really, like, imagine. You can't go back to where you came from. You can't go back to your home. And I, it was a deep depression. I remember, like, like. People would talk about America, and I'd be like, ah, oh, that sucks. Like, people would talk about L.A., and I'd be like, oh, I don't want to be here. Like, like, I was deep. It was hard. But, I, but there was one voice that kept on coming back to me. It was, it was the voice of the Lord. He was saying, you know what? I love you. I love you. I have a plan for you. I have a plan for you. Just, just, just come back. Turn to me. Just come back to me. I remember, I remember like, there was one night, and I started coming back. I, I slowly started coming back to God. Slowly started coming back to God. And then, and then he said, you know what? Back then, I, I, they used to call me Chin. That was my Korean name. Um, but I, I changed my name to Caleb. He's like, he, he told me, he called me about Caleb. He's like, Caleb, like, you got like, be free. Open up your heart. And by this time, I was hiding. I had all these walls up. Nobody would know who I am. Nobody knew. You didn't know? None of you know. Old JSCM, none of y'all knew. Right? No, because all the people that I told left Korea, got sent, they went back to America. None of you knew. Past Christian didn't know. None of you. I was holding the secret. I was like, Lord, I can do it. I can come back to you without them knowing. <laughs> it's, a, it's a possibility. I can, I, I, I'll be good. I'll be good. I just, I just, I'm, I don't have to tell them. I, I can come back to you. But no, he's like, no, you got you to gotta let it out. You got to be yourself. You got to allow yourself to be you. Right? Don't hide. And so I, I, I made this email to PC and I was like, oh, I think I should tell my testimony. And I emailed my testimony. He's like, oh, yeah, I think you should tell your testimony. And right here, I, I forgot what day it was, but right here in front of this podium, I came up here and I told my testimony. I said, yeah, I went to prison, all this stuff. None, and, and, and in that moment, I remember as I was doing it, like, like, there was this, like, freedom that came over me because I had nothing to hide. Have you ever had this feeling where you feel like, I have nothing to hide? And it, like, I was like, you know what? I have nothing to hide from God. I have nothing to hide from people. They, literally, it was like liberation. It was the most amazing feeling that I had, I've ever felt in my life. It was like, oh, I don't have to hide from God. I really don't. And I could be myself with God. 
And I can be myself with these people. They may not like me, but it doesn't matter. I can be myself. I can be who I am. And that was the beginning of, of my transformation. God started to woo me back. He started to establish truths in me. And, and he turned, he turned. And then when I look back now, I'm in a place right now where God has redeemed every stupid mistake, every retarded thought, every bad like choice that I ever made in my life. God has redeemed it. To the point where I'm almost thankful that I went to jail. Because I would not have my wife. I would not have Ethan. God has redeemed. Do you understand this? It, when I was going through it, I didn't know. I was like, this sucks. Oh, man. What, God, what? He's like, it's your fault. I was like, I know. But I come out of it. And I face God. And I start turning to God. And God's like, you know what? I'm going to redeem that. I'm going to redeem that. I'm going to redeem those stupid mistakes that you made. That is the redemptive plan of our God. Do you guys know that? God wants to redeem you from whatever you're going through, whatever pits that you have. There is a redemptive plan at work for your life. There is redemption. It's a powerful word. Study the the word redemption. It's all over the Bible. It's it's hundreds of times. In, in different kinds of Hebrew words and Greek words. It is a key word that res, it resound, it's like resounding word that is all throughout the gospel. Redemption. God wants to redeem us. So how, do, how does this happen? What do we need to do? So if we read Psalms, Psalm 103, I'm going to read from verse 6. The Lord works righteousness and justice for all who are oppressed. He made known his ways to Moses, his acts to the people of Israel. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. He will not always chide, nor will he keep his anger forever. He does not deal with us according to our sins, nor repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heaven are above the earth, so great is his steadfast love towards those who fear him. Who fear him. Our first response to God, we have to have a fear of the Lord. And, and I remember Pastor, Pastor Kirby talked about like the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. It really is. It really is. And, and he, he talked about how fear of the Lord is not this terror. You're not supposed to, oh, Lord. Like, no, you, you should be, like, you know, there should be a healthy fear of the wrath of God. God is gangster. You guys don't understand. If you're, un, if you're in the, under the, the, the bonds of sin, if you're not redeemed by the blood of Christ, the wrath of God, man, it's scary. And you read about it in the Old Testament, man. I read, I'd be like, man, that's scary. Where's my, where's my towel? It's hot up here. But, it, but, but, but that's not the type of what he's talking about, about the fear of God. The fear of the Lord is a reverence for God. It says reverence for the Lord, or, or the position of our heart. But not only that, the fear of the Lord is also an action. Do you guys know that? Okay, there is this reverence, but it also needs to go somewhere. And the fear of the Lord is allowing the rule and reign of Christ into every area of your heart and life and following in obedience. It's, it's allowing 
the rule and reign of Christ into every heart. I remember at the retreat, God gave me a word. He told me to pray. Shine light into every corner of their hearts. Shine light into every... I went up, I went, every person I went, I was like, Lord, shine light into every corner of your life. Because you know what that is? That's the fear of the Lord. Fear of the Lord is when you, when you say, you know what, God, there's nothing that I can hide from you. I bear myself to you. I open my heart completely. There's no, nothing in here that I, I'm trying to hold back. I give you all. That's the fear of the Lord. We have many rooms in our hearts, and we're good at closing doors. We think like, oh, God, this living room, how grand. But there's like a little closet here that we have closed, and we lock it, and we have it under lock and key. We're like, no, God, look at the living room, the family room. It's amazing, but this closet, all right, it's, it's, no, God wants every room. God runs every corner, every, like, like, you know, like nook and cranny of your heart. And that's what the fear of the Lord is. Is when you completely say, God, there's nothing that I can hide from you. I give you everything. I give you all access to my heart. You rule and reign. Your rule and your reign into my heart. I, I, I teach kindergarten. And I, uh, I have this student. And it's really funny. One day... I was just sitting at my desk, and like I kind of sat down. He didn't know I was behind him, and he was in his little cubby, and he was doing something. And he turned around, and he said, oh. <laughs> and I didn't say anything. I just looked at him. And he just goes. <laughs> and he, he had this toy. I had this rule. No, no takchis in my class, right? I hate those takchis, right? And he, he just showed me his takchi. And he's like, you know, like, like that's what... God, there's nothing that I can hide from me. He thought that. I knew it. There's taxi in your pocket. No. But you know what? That's what the fear of the Lord is. God, I give you anything. There's nothing. What what am I that I can hide something from you, God? I got to give you everything. That's, That's the beginning of the fear of the Lord. And it's following that life in obedience. And you also have to understand, his redemptive plan it may not necessarily be what you expect it to be. That's a key right there. When he redeems you, you might have all of these plans. God, this kind of looking guy, six foot one, 185 pounds, living in this kind of apartment, with this kind of job, doing this kind of ministry, redeem me. No. <laughs> when you put yourself under the, the fear of the Lord, into the complete control of His Lordship over your life, you gotta, you got to take what He gives you. And you got to be thankful. you got to be thankful. His redemptive plan may not necessarily be what you think that it's going to be. But I'm telling you, it's going to be the best. It's going to be what's for you. He's going to redeem you in the way that he feels fit. That how he, how, in the way that he loves you. In the, in, the, in the way that he's made you. He made you. He knows you more and better than yourself. His plans are better for you. And for a lot of us, when we're in our pit, a lot of times when we're in our pit, you know what we do? We look at our pit. We look at our pit like, oh, look at this pit. It's, it's, it's so deep. We look at our pit. It's like, oh, man, there's, it's getting deeper and deeper. And some of them, we look at our circumstances so many times. We look at, oh, man, when am I going to get married? 
Whoa, man, like, when am I going to find this career? Oh, man, when am I going to get out of debt? Oh, man, when am I going to break, break out of this sin pattern? We look at our, our situation and where we are so much. We never look up. And God is saying, look up. If you're in a pit, look up. If you ever find yourself in a pit, please look up. All right? If you literally, you're walking down the woods one day, you fall into this pit. First thing you should do is look up and not, oh man, look at this pit. This pit is so deep. You have to look up. You can't separate yourself from God. But a lot of times when we find ourselves in, these, in the play, moments of despair, moments where we feel like we're in this pit, the first thing we do is we detach from God. We say, God, you don't understand this. You, don't, you, like, you couldn't ever possibly understand this, so I'm going to detach myself from you. But the first thing that you have to do is to go to God. He's never disgusted by your sins. He doesn't feel daunted by your circumstances. And a lot of times we think we have to come to him. We, we got to get ourselves out of the pit before we approach him. As a lot of times, we, a lot of people think that way. I used to think that way. I think, God, once I get over this, and once I'm like out of this, I, I can, I'll come to you, God. That's a lot of, we feel like we have to get ourselves out. But no, he's going to redeem you. But you got to start looking up. You got to start looking at the cross. You got to start looking at the person of Christ who is our redeemer. He's our savior and redeemer. He's going to save us and he's going to redeem us. And one last thing I want to leave you guys with. What keeps us in the pit, a lot of times, it's regret. A lot of times, we, we, we remain in this place of regret. We feel like, oh, if only I had done this. If only I had, I had like, if only I had not, like, talked to that guy in that way. Maybe I'd be married to him right now. <laughs> if only I, you know, like, I lived, there was a, a good season of my life where I lived in regret. You know what regret does? It leads you in the pit. Regret keeps you looking at the pit. Regret keeps you looking back. You never move forward if you're dealing with regret. Right? A lot of times... When I was in that place of regret, I would even, tr- I would even like get ahead, you know? I would f- gain new ground in my, in my walk with God. I would like start moving forward. And then the minute that I start to regret, I find myself back all over here again. Re- re- regret keeps you trapped. You have to know the opposite of regret is hope. God gives us hope. There is hope in Christ Jesus. No matter what you guys are in. No matter what you guys are struggling with, no matter what it is, there is a hope in Christ Jesus that he's going to redeem it. And we think, oh, God, man, you can't redeem this. I'm just going to, I just, I just got to live with it. A lot of times we feel like we have to live with it because we think even God can't redeem this. He is God. He can redeem anything. He can redeem everything. His plan from the beginning of these sinful people was to redeem us. It's the redemptive plan of God. And a lot of you guys today, some of you guys might be in this place. You guys might be in a place where you guys feel stuck. You guys feel like, you know what? God, I'm here. 
Maybe I just, maybe this is something that I have to live with. Maybe this is something that, that I'm going to have, you know, like I'll, I'll manage. I'll manage. I'll, I'll, I'll like de- learn to deal with this. And you guys, are, you guys find yourself in this pit. And you feel like you've been clawing at the walls, trying to get out. You've been clawing at the walls, trying to get up, and you haven't looked up. Right now, God is saying today, look up. Look at me. Do you know who I am? Do you know who I am? Do you know what I can do? Whatever hurts and wounds that you have, do you know who I am? Whatever circumstances that you find yourselves in, do you know what I am capable of? Look up at me. He's saying, look up at me. Right now, I want to go into a time of prayer. And there are some people in here, I believe that God's speaking to you in a powerful way. And there's been areas in your life that you haven't been able to, to, to fully let go of. There's things in your life and, and it's, it's kept you in this place, in the pit. And today God wants to say, I, I want to take you out. Not only do I want to take you out of the pit, but I want to redeem the time that you spent in the pit. Not only do I want to get you out of the pit, but I want to raise you up past the pit. I want to give you victory of the pit. I'm going to seal that pit so that you don't fall in again. God is a God of redemption. He wants to redeem us. Right now, I want us, if you are one of those people, if you're struggling with something, if there's something that, that the light of Christ hasn't fully been exposed to in your heart, I want to give you an opportunity right now to give you what I had at this altar, at this podium on the day that I bear it all. I want to give you that kind of freedom. If there are certain circumstances in your life and you feel that you can never get past, this is just my lot in life, I'm just going to have to deal with this, I want to tell you right now, it's not. If, if that's you, I would like just to stand up. Just to stand up. God wants to remove you from the pit. Do you know that? And I, I want to bring you back to what, I, what, what it says in Psalm 103. It's a benefit. This is something that you already possess. It's a benefit that you have. And God is not, he may have actually allowed you to be in this pit, but God is not keeping you in there. It says right here, Psalm 103, who redeems your life from the pit. He's not the one that has a thumb on you that wants to keep you down there. He's the one that wants to redeem you. He wants to break you out. He wants to have you out in the open so that you can be yourself. You can be free. Right now, if you guys are standing and you guys would like prayer, I want you guys to come up to the front. I want, I want to pray for you guys.